sometimes when we interview people for Here's What I Know, I am so envious of them because they have such interesting perspectives and, and their jobs have allowed them to make such a big impact. But for this episode, I'm really jealous of Ann Tillery. Me too. I guess it's because as managing partner of Pyramid Communications, what she does is fairly close to what we do, communications. I love their motto, though, giving voice to good causes. And she's done public relations and marketing around some pretty good causes, like smoking cessation. And through her work in strategic communications, she even gets to help build up new fields, like, like this active living, which is the intersection of public health and urban planning. That's pretty important work indeed. Not only does she do great work, she and her team have a great attitude about it. She flat out says that her team could work elsewhere, making more money and working fewer hours. Yet they stay, and they love it. Yeah, you could say that part of their compensation is making a difference. And that's priceless. Well, at least in this part of our job, we get to ask the questions and hear from people who see the world differently. So, here is what Ann Tillery knows. So, Ann, what role has serendipity played in your career? Mm, probably 95%. <laughs> I think um, I left college with degrees in English and international studies and the notion that I really wanted to work in literary criticism for a publishing house and quickly realized that um, if you didn't have a trust fund and weren't excited about living in a walk-up in Manhattan, that was a pretty, there was a pretty limited universe. And so I ended up working um, on political campaigns and becoming mostly a writer for nonprofit organizations. And it was at a fundraising breakfast that I ran into my business partner, John, and he asked, you know, do you know anybody who's out looking for work as a writer? Because I just really need somebody. And I jumped at the opportunity then, and it's been, you know, 14 years. And I've really spent the bulk of my career and built the breadth of sort of expertise that I've established over time by collaborating with people um, inside the walls of Pyramid and by partnering with organizations um, and colleagues outside. And so the opportunity to migrate and build skills in both different content areas, different issues, as well as different um, types of tools in the toolbox of being a public affairs um, consultant has largely been based on the clients that have come to us and the people who have passed through the doors of Pyramid. It sounds like you've done so many interesting things. What are you most proud of? What are the, the few that you brag to your parents and your daughter and your spouse about? Well, I think one of the challenges is that it's really hard to explain what this work is to my parents. Um, I think I've been at it for a decade or more trying with my mom, and it's it's a very elusive um, field in general to describe. It's not like at the end of the day, you know, you've built a bicycle or you've, um, you know, sold something to someone. So in that way, it's kind of hard to communicate. But in terms of the issue... And isn't that ironic that, you know... <laughs> <laughs> As a communications firm, right. hard to explain. Yes. It's work that suits people who like being behind the scenes for the most part. Um and so that's, I think, what makes it somewhat difficult. But in terms of the work that we're most proud of here, you know, we spent a decade working on tobacco cessation with, with the Robert Wood Johnson Foundation and tobacco-free kids and trying to figure out, you know, how do you really use the money that came from the master tax, um, tobacco settlement from the tobacco companies to keep, you know, particularly kids from starting to smoke in the first place and then kids, children, youth, and adults who did start, how do you help them stop? So that's work we're really proud of. 
and I think also the work that we've done in building fields that didn't previously exist. Um, and although I haven't done a lot of the work directly here as a firm, we've spent a lot of time working in what's called the arena of active living, which is building a field at the intersection of public health and urban planning. So it's trying to get people out of their cars and living in a way that promotes a healthy lifestyle. So you're walking and you're biking instead of you know, driving back you know, from your suburban home where it's very difficult to take a walk with your dog to an office building and riding 40 stories up in an elevator. It's completely redesigning cities so that people can live more, um, more, health, more healthfully. And also connected to that is trying to fight the epidemic of childhood obesity in this country and the social disproportionality around that issue that it really impacts you know, children of color much more severely than it does um, does others. And with that then comes all the secondary diseases like asthma and diabetes, and that's work that we have um, focused on as well. Usually people aren't paid to focus on good causes. Usually that's considered volunteer work. How have you been able to build a career around, as Pyramid Communications' tagline says, giving voice to good causes? You know, we started the firm with the very untested notion that you could build a business, and it was my partner, John Hoyt, who started it a year before I joined, with the notion that we could build a business that focused on the work that most firms do for their pro bono work, but actually make that the basis of the business. And at the time, there weren't many people doing it, but we... Um, built slowly and began work with national foundations and artists and entertainers and from that served a lot of small organizations and then that built over time to medium and large um, large organizations across the country. So it was an, at the beginning an exercise in faith. So with that word good in your tagline and I saw you have a staff of almost 40 people, how does your company determine which causes are so-called good and is everyone always on the same page? Well, one slice of good is, of course, political orientation, and we lean heavily democratic. Um, but I think in order to be effective today, you really do need to be able to work collaboratively with people on all sides of the political spectrum. I mean, people care about the same basic issues of good education, good health care, quality of life. And so in order to be effective, although we have a political proclivity we work with folks from all walks of life, and the way we define good is something that makes a positive impact to people um, and their children, people, families, the environment, and lend toward broader sort of social equity for all. Ever have any internal debates about some of the clients you're picking up? Like, how do you keep everyone headed in the same direction? There was once the friend of a friend who was starting a business that made socks with fingers, like places for your toes, that wanted help marketing. And, you know, so there are those sort of oddities that pop up. Um, we didn't end up marketing the little toed socks, but we do have those clients from time to time that come to us, usually because of a personal relationship that someone has and wants us to do something that's a little outside of the work that we would normally do. And so we look at those on a case-by-case -case basis. We collectively decide if it's something we feel comfortable with, and we've always said that if people who would work on the project don't feel comfortable, it's not something that we would do. But the reality is that people know us for the type of work that we do, so they rarely come to us um, with something that really doesn't fit within the mission. Well, it's funny. So you have your pro bono work, too, you know? <laughs> a little bit, yes. Although it's a harder, that's a harder thing for us given our business model because we work with 
so many grassroots organizations, and because of the nonprofit base, we don't have what a lot of firms have, which is a buffer of corporate clients who essentially underwrite the ability to do pro bono work. And so that's something that over the years we've, you know, really worked to maintain a balance about how we can still donate and give back to the community. And sometimes it's um, by giving in-kind work on projects that are particularly near and dear to our hearts. Other times it's um, stepping in in a financial um, sponsorship role. But that's a that's a rare thing for us. I have another question about good causes, and maybe it's kind of naive of me, but when I was a young teen, I was about 14, I, I did volunteer work in a hospital, and of course I was idealistic, and I thought everyone there was to help sick people get better, and it was all about, you know, doing good things for the people there, and and then I, of course, discovered it wasn't. It was almost like a soap opera, actually, and there was all kinds of politics. And, and, of course, you're an adult now, but have you been surprised about working with these, you know, quote-unquote, good cause organizations? In terms of the internal dynamics, you mean? I don't think so. I read a quote recently that someone, um, I can't remember who it was attributed to, but essentially it was that, you know, every functional family is the same, but every dysfunctional family is dysfunctional in its own way, and I think the same holds for every organization. I would put Pyramid in that same camp as well. I mean, every organization is a compilation of different individuals with different strengths and weaknesses and different styles, and I think the trick is to figure out how to work with folks with different styles if you know you do have you know an executive director that's having a battle with the chair of their board or you have um, I mean I've done work for nonprofits on the brink of collapse because their well-intentioned executive director theoretically turned out to be an embezzler I mean all the things that happen in the broader community happen within the sector that works on um, good causes, and so I think it's just part of accepting human nature, knowing that you have the full diversity within, you know, within the sector as you do within the broader community. And so, for us, it's um, it hasn't been eye-opening in that way. I think it's just validated what I've always thought about human nature, and takes there are all sorts of people in the world that work in all sorts of different ways with all sorts of different motivations. But I'd say on balance, the organizations and causes that we work on comprised of great people doing great work in the world, and that's why I think people stay energized about coming to work at Pyramid. I mean, almost everyone here could go somewhere else and make a lot more money and probably work fewer hours, but it's because of the opportunity to work with great people and work on great causes that you know keeps everybody getting up day after day, month after month, year after year. You know, what, what actually pisses you off? Um... One thing that pisses me off is seeing organizations with limited resources reinventing the wheel over and over again. That's really frustrating to see 10 regional and national conservation groups essentially doing the same poll of the same sorts of people and then being turfy and not wanting to share the information. Because there are ways that groups can collaborate and work better on the behalf of the causes that they support. And sometimes the turf issues that get involved get very frustrating. And sometimes also working in a political environment, which is inherently has a focus on the short term, to the detriment of being able to think about the long-term consequences of things like global warming, um, is also difficult because the reality is that in the environment that a lot of this cause-oriented work happens in, people really do think about 
the very short term, whether they're going to get elected to office again, whether there's an opportunity um, to take a stand that may, in the short term, serve their organization or their cause well, but be detrimental in the long term. So that's another one that I find difficult. That one sounds almost like corporate, too, you know, sort of that payoff between, you know, having to show short-term results, you know, quarter by quarter, you know, sometimes that's to the detriment of what they should be doing in the long term. Yeah, very similar, very similar dynamics. It's also it's hard for nonprofit organizations when I talk about things like these turf issues. The way funding works for nonprofits, primarily the funding that comes from foundations, but also some of the funding that comes through public sources, ends up being narrowly designated. And so you have organizations that end up chasing the money in a very unfortunate way. And I think a lot of the structural ways that um, the whole sector is set up they don't incentivize and encourage groups to collaborate together to realize efficiencies, to be more productive. They encourage them to be defensive, um, competitive with one another, and to kind of argue over small issues of turf, which doesn't serve them, you know, the movements that we work on well. So, Anne, what have you learned most? What would you have done differently throughout your career if you could go back? I think if we go back to very early career, I would have taken advantage of things like internships and the opportunity for mentorship that I felt like I always needed to work to put myself through school or to buy a house and probably ended up taking me close to a decade longer than it might have to settle into, I think, what really is the work that calls to me. So that's one piece just on a personal level. I think more globally, when I think about the firm, I think we had a tendency in the very beginning, most of us had political backgrounds, and the early days of Pyramid, we were all really the same kinds of people. We had, we were good writers, we had political backgrounds, we were very aggressive in figuring out, you know, how do you win and how do you march toward that strategy. And what, you're, what we've realized over time is that having a diversity of different styles, and by styles I mean how people learn, how they communicate, how they interact with clients, as well as having a diversity of skill sets, really makes us as a collective much stronger and much more insightful in terms of how we make strategic recommendations and execute on them. So, for example, you know, we have former journalists, we have attorneys, we have people who work as foundation program officers, we have people who are social workers, we have people who run political campaigns. And it's the blending of those skills and strategies, you know, those skills and backgrounds that over time yield the best and most thoughtful strategies. And I think in the early days, we had this notion that if everybody was like us, we could just really crank hard, that would be the best work we could do. And I don't think it really was. There really is strength and diversity. I think another realization I've had as I get older is that just I don't think there's really six degrees of separation between things. I think it's more like two or three. And I think if you treat people well and develop strong relations with with people, no matter where they are in their life and no matter what they're doing at a given point in time, you end up having those kind of connections with those people over an extended period of time, and that's a great thing. And if if you had to sum up your career in a bumper sticker, what would you say? Hmm. (laughs) Run hard, do good work keeping with the work that we do here at Pyramid because we're all about getting people out of cars and walking and running and riding their bikes. Ann Tillery is truly blessed to have created a job and a business that offers so much diversity, not only in terms of the many types of causes, 
but also the different types of projects and the various media. And that diversity feeds into the serendipity that has been a hallmark of Anne's career, where each new client is somehow the prerequisite for a project further down the road. Whether you are more the captain of your career, or the winds seem to blow you in the direction you are meant to go, each new project or new client or new colleague is an opportunity for you to seize to allow you to strengthen and improve your foundation, preparing you for your future. So how do you make sure that you're learning as you go, continually preparing for your future and seizing the opportunities that present themselves? Send us a note to podcast at mindpulseinc.com. That's podcast at m-i-n-d-p-u-l-s-e-i-n-c.com. We hope this episode of Here's What I Know adds to what you know. And here's to the will to run hard and do good work. Mm-hmm.